Lauren and I uh, have two dogs. Uh, one is a lot smarter than the other. Um, June is not smart. She's cute, but uh, we got her. She's a little black and white mutt. We, I was told at the beginning that like she, there's a chance she had like part uh, Great Dane in her. So I thought she was gonna get huge and it was gonna be super awesome. And she's like average size, you know. So a little disappointment there. Uh, but when we first got her, some friends of ours had her as a puppy. Showed our kids, uh, and then come to find out he was allergic to her. The 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 guy was allergic to her. Um, he knew he was allergic to dogs. I think he thought like he could like overcome that. Um, but that's not really something you can just you know fight through. It just keeps happening, you being allergic to them. So um, him and his fiance at the time and then uh, wife pretty soon after that had to get rid of her. And when they get, got rid of her, she had something wrong with her. They had to like take her back to the pound. And they told my wife that, which was the first problem. Because uh, my wife has, she's just a sucker for animals. And uh, she told me, she's like, Danny, if you like I don't, like, if you just, like, want to check and see if they would, like, you know, I told them if, if they could get them back from the pound, which I didn't think was going to happen because I don't think they usually give you dog back when you return it, uh, but if they get them back, or if they get her back, then we, I told them we could take her, is that okay? And I was like, sure, that sounds great. Well, we have her, you know, and so, but when we got her, she was, uh, she had, like, all these, um, sores all over her body, which is really ugly and, uh. I had to, like, put cream on it every day, and it was really dumb and not fun. Um, but we got her from the pound, you know, like, we paid for her, uh, got the shots that she needed, got her back to health uh, from whatever it was that was ailing her. We took her to the vet, and they figured out what it was, and then um, she healed up pretty quick. Um, but then not, not, not too long after that, I was taking her. Her and my other dog, Sophie, who's a golden retriever, uh, I had to take them to Lufkin to get uh, a rabies shot. And I put them in the back of the truck. And we were driving to Lufkin. And you know, like, uh, you know where the Ferris wheel is? Or the little, like, merry-go-round thing is on the way from here to Lufkin in, like, the uh, storage unit over there? Yeah, ever, not on your head. You know what it is. Um, right about there... I look back, up to that point, they were both fine, and they were both, like, just chilling in the back of the truck. And then I look back in the re rear view, and June's standing up. And I was like, just sit down, come on. And then I look in the side view mirror, and before I know it, like, her front paws are over the this, this side of the, the truck. And I was like, come on, are you serious? I start pulling to the side of the road, and before I can get all the way over, she jumps out of the truck. We're go you know, on that road, it's 75 miles an hour is the speed limit. She jumped out of the truck. At 70 miles, 75 miles an hour. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to look back in that rearview mirror. I had to, like, get over and not get hit. Uh, I'm, I was like, I'm sure I'm going to look back and she's going to get hit by another car or she's, like, splattered across the side of the road. I stopped the car on the side of the road, uh, and then I see this black and white flash run past me. She's on the side of the road, and she's running, like, down the fence line, and she just keeps going. And I'm like, what in the heck? How is she, one, how is she even walking? Or how is she alive and how is she even walking? And she just like sprints past me. And I drive up further and uh, 
she finds like this spot in the fence line where it's just a gate and she works her way through the gate and then just runs back into the woods. Uh, and I like scream at her, tell her to come. She's like not responding at all. I stand there for 15 minutes or so and she's like, I mean, I'm not going to, I know we live in Texas, so I'm not about to go on somebody's property and start wandering around because I'll get shot. Um, I love that dog, but not enough to get shot over. So I waited for a little while, kept yelling for her. She never came. And so that was on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I called my wife on the way back. I was like, hey, you remember that dog we had? Um, Well, (laughs) I kind of don't have her anymore. And she was like, what? And I was like, I don't, if you want to like break it to the kids, you know, that'd be good. And uh, so I told them the story and I was like, I don't know where she is. We'll go out, you know, trying to like help their little hearts. Like we'll go out and try to find her kids. Uh, this time in my mind, I'm sure she's like dead in the woods, you know. Um, and she, so the kids were like, can we go after church on Sunday and just go call for her? And I was like, sure, that, that would be, yeah, we'll do that. We'll create a little bit more hope in your hearts and we'll go out there. And so we found the spot where she like went back into the woods. And Lauren had heard by that time, she was talking to somebody and they said, uh, they had heard if you just... Um, they heard this thing, like, for people that have hunting dogs that they lose, if you just take an old shirt of yours out there <clears throat> where, you lost, where you last saw the dog in a bowl of water and put an old piece of your clothing or in a, in a bowl of water, they'll smell your scent and they'll come to it. And because there's water there, they'll, they'll, that'll be, that's, like, the hardest thing for them to find out in the wild is to find water to stay alive. So they'll just stay by that spot until you come. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Well... I was like, well, but just to make it, like, extra stinky and lots of smell, I, like, let my other dog sleep on it the night before, and it was one of my old shirts. Um, and I was like, certainly, if she's going to smell this at all, uh, this is our chance. So we put it out there Sunday, and uh, Lauren had told, like, she, Lauren teaches classes at, a, at the gym here in town, and uh, one of the ladies in one of her classes, uh, she had told her, all of her class about that and was like, hey, we're trying to find this dog, so... If you hear anything about it, just let us know. Uh, one of them was driving to Lufkin, and at that like same spot that we told them that we lost it, they saw a black and white dog running around, and they called Lauren. And they're like, I think I saw your dog. She's like, are you kidding me? So she's like, Danny, go out there. This is Monday. And so two days after she had been lost, and I went out there, and I found the, sh- the shirt in the bowl, and it was like there, there was no sign of her yet. Me and Ellie went out there together, and... Uh, and there's no sign of her. So I just decided, like, I'll at least, like, look back. I'll jump over this fence and just walk back, like, 10 feet and see. And I called her and I called her. And, I, and sure enough, she was, uh, she had taken the shirt, had, like, dug a little hole, like, that was kind of indented into the ground, put the shirt in there, and then was laying on the shirt. Uh, and she was, like, I've never heard her make this sound before then or after then, but she was, like, whimpering for, like, five minutes it was just like, she was like, oh my gosh, thank you, I'm, we're, we're, I'm alive, and I have life again. Uh, and so she got in our car, and we, we left. Um, one, I know never to put her back in, in the back of a truck again, because she's dumb enough to jump out. Uh, but she was like, you could just see on her face, like, that she had been rescued, and she was, like, super excited. And I was like, I wish that there was some way to tell, like, what happened between, uh, in those three days, like, in the woods. Like, I don't know how long she was back in there, how long she came to the spot, like, but I'm sure she had, would have some stories to tell if she could talk. Uh, so why are we talking so much about our, my dog? Well, uh, my dog is not in the Bible. 
Um, so that's not what we're talking about. But just this, uh, that story came to my mind and this idea of rescue and what it would feel like to be rescued and redeemed and, uh, and, and when you're in a spot where you feel like, man, this is hopeless and, and my life is, is, is pretty hopeless right now. And so um, we're talking about Ruth tonight. And Ruth is the story of rescue as well. Um, again, we're going through this series uh, called The Thread and how the thread of the gospel is in all of Scripture. And every part of it from beginning in the, to, to the end is this thread of the gospel is the thread of, uh, of Jesus coming and redeeming um, and, and rescuing his people. Um, that's from the beginning in Genesis all the way through. Uh, so we started in Genesis. We're all the, way, all the way to Ruth now, which is the... But we're eight books in now, and we only have, what, 58 to go after this? So uh, we're getting there. We're making progress. Uh, I, I like videos. It gives me a little bit more visual illustration. So we're going to watch a little video to give you an overview of Ruth, and then we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. All right. I will tell the story That's a good one. Oh, no. Not you. Yes, me, Chester Wiggett, master of the popsicle stick of puppets. And now, the story of a Ruth. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Ruth. She wasn't an Israelite. She was from Moab, a country Israel didn't like very much. But Ruth, she married an Israelite. As our story begins, Ruth, her Israelite husband, and her husband's mother were all living in the Moab because there was a famine in Israel. Oh, famine? You mean no food? Right, and no food. So there they are in the Moab when, oh no, Ruth's husband dies. I don't know what happened. Maybe he got hit by a bus. I don't think they had buses back then. Okay, maybe he got hit by a cow. Chester. A goat? Chester. A near-tempered iguana? Chester. Anyway, he's dead. He's gone. No more husband. Now, Ruth's mother-in-law, her name is Naomi. She doesn't have a husband either. He died a while back. Probably another iguana. Chester! Or something. <laughs> Naomi doesn't really belong in the Moab. She's an Israelite. So as soon as the famine ends, she decides to go back to Israel. Of course, she is old and has no husband and no money, so she'll have to beg for food. Her life will be sad. Well, guess what? Ruth doesn't want that to happen. She loves Naomi. So even though Moab is her home, Ruth says to Naomi, I will come with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? I'm telling you, that part makes me cry every time. Yeah, that's really something. It gets you right in the gut. Anyway, this amazing Ruth, she leaves her home and goes to Israel with Naomi to take care of her. Every day she follows the workers in the fields to pick up little bits of grain to, to share with Naomi. Oh, I'm losing it, but... But get this, this is the best part. So she's picking up a bits of grain in a field that belongs to a wealthy man named Boaz, who happens to be related to Naomi's old husband, the one that died in the iguana accident. I don't think he was killed by an iguana. Whatever. Anyway, Boaz sees Ruth into the field and hears about what she's done for Naomi. He hears about her great love for her mother-in-law. And get this, he falls in love with Ruth. Wonderful Ruth! 
and, and Ruth and Boaz end up getting married. And Boaz takes care of Ruth and takes care of Naomi, her mother-in-law. And everyone is happy and they burst into song. Ever since I saw you, I knew that I loved you and will be together, always and forever. <laughs> Jester, I don't think they burst into song. The Book of Ruth is not a musical. Well, it should be. Okay. That gives you a, a, a little picture of what's going on in Ruth. So I'm going to explain a little bit more than that. Um, and we're actually going to start a little bit earlier. They, they really start in um, chapter 2 with, with that story. Um, we're going to start at the very beginning, chapter 1. Um, and so really this, this book of Ruth is really about two women. It's about Ruth and Naomi uh, are the two main people. So we'll start in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So time period that's going on is judges. Uh, when Jacob was preaching, he was preaching over that time period of judges. And again, this is right after Joshua. So it goes Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Um, in Joshua... The, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, had come to the promised land. And then in Judges, uh, that pro living in the promised land still, but they have all these enemies coming in because they're being disobedient and not following God anymore. Uh, and then God raises up a judge, uh, and then he saves the people, and then they go back to disobeying, and they go back to hard times again, and then he'll raise up another judge, and it's this pattern of disobedience in God's people. Uh, and so it's during that time of Judges that this uh, account of Ruth uh, and Naomi, Naomi take pl takes place. And so it says there was a famine in the land, a famine in the land of the people of Israel, uh, in the land of Judah, uh, where God wanted his people to be. Uh, there was a famine, and, and it said, um, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were uh, Malon and Chilion. Chilion is a sweet name. Um, call him Chill for short. Uh, so this man leads his family. Um, so this is, a, this is a Jewish man. He's part of the people of God, right? The people of Israel. Uh, and he leads his family out of the land that God wants his people to be in uh, to this place called Moab. And the reason he leaves is because there's a famine in the land. And so that means no food, right, like they said in the video. There's, there's, there's no food, lack of food. And so he takes his family out of there uh, to this land of Moab. Uh, that's important. We'll come back to that. But uh, that's really the beginning of all these problems that we're going we're gonna to see is, is that decision. Um, and so they have two sons. And it says, it just says in verse 3, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And like it said, we don't know why. It could have been an iguana or something else. Um, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, dies, and she was left with her two sons. And then it says in verse 4, these, her sons took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. Uh, and they lived there about ten years, and both uh, Malon and Chilion died. And so uh, the women were, 
the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So there's Naomi and Elimelech who are married. Uh, they have these two sons. Uh, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. And so it's just her and her two sons. And then they marry women from Moab, uh, Orpah and Ruth. Uh, and, then, and then the boys die. And so it's these three women that are left, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. And uh, basically, Naomi says to them, because again, in this time and in this day, of a, day and age, if you are a woman on your own, it's going to be really hard to provide for yourself. Uh, there was no women's movement yet, you know, uh, and so uh, it's going to be really hard to provide on your own to get basic needs uh, as a woman in that time by yourself. And so they're in a hard spot, and so Naomi decides she's going to go back to her people, um, the land that she left, and the, they're, they're leaving and, and going back, and then Naomi says to both the girls, uh, her daughter-in-laws, um, she says, you guys don't have to come with me. You should just stay uh, here in the land that you're from with the people, uh, with your family. Uh, you should find new husbands because I'm not going to have kids anytime soon. Uh, I can't give you any more husbands. So uh, it's better for you to probably just stay here uh, and find husbands here in your homeland. Uh, they're both really sad about that, but Orpah does end up staying. And Ruth says, no, I'm going to go with you no matter what. Um, in fact, in verse 15 of chapter 1, she said, uh, and it says, and she said, talking about uh, Naomi, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And then uh, Naomi says to them, to the people in the town, Do not call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. The name Mara means bitter. And so uh, Naomi's mad. She, she goes with her husband to this new land. Her husband's taken. Both of her sons are taken. Um, she loses one of her daughters-in-law. She stays there. And so um, all these things have been taken from Naomi, and she's really bitter. So much so that she says, just call me bitter from now on, is what she says. Uh, like, just, <laughs> Jesus likes that. Uh, so she tells people, just refer to me as that. Like, don't even call me Naomi anymore. And uh, Naomi, the, the meaning of her name, Naomi is pleasant. Um, and so she says, don't even call me that anymore. Call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. So she's even blaming God for taking all these things away from her. Um, but again, this is something that I want to point out. It's kind of like a side note, but it's, it is the, the origin of all these issues. Uh, as this man in, in chapter 1, it says, a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to this country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Uh, you can read over that real quick, and a lot of people do. A lot of people just go to the second chapter, right? Because Ruth isn't even in this first chapter, uh, or isn't even in it until the end. Um, but what happened and what is the cause of all these problems is a man not leading his family well. So this man chooses to leave because there's a famine, and you think, well, yeah, he's just trying to provide for his family. But 
God wanted them to be in the land that he had for them. Even if that land was at a time of famine, he wanted his people in that land and wanted them to trust him that he was still going to provide for them. And so what this man does is he leads his family into sin, essentially. And then there are consequences for that. Um, and all these guys, his sons marry these, these wives that aren't a part of God's chosen people. Um, and then they end up dying, and, and uh, Elimelech ends up dying himself as well. Uh, but all of it, what I want you to see is, is really at, this, at the beginning is this man's choice to choose sin and what, what I guess you could call kind of the easier way out than just to stay where God wanted him and suffer where God wanted him. So he knew if he stayed where God wanted him and his people, he would have to suffer through that famine. And so instead of choosing to do that, he chose to run into sin. And that causes all these other issues to happen. Um, why is that? Like, I, th- I think that's a huge thing. I think that's a huge application for us. Like, that the, the, the things that you do, the way that you lead, especially you as men, like you're going to be the leaders of houses. And, and the decisions that you make are not just going to affect you anymore, but they're going to affect your whole family. And so what, we, what, what Satan's good at is getting us to believe, like, well, I can do whatever I want with my life, and it's, it's cool. And, like, and then when I'm ready to change and when I have a family, then I'll change. But I'm telling you guys now, like, one day you're going to be a father, and you're going to be leading a family, you're going to be leading a wife. And if you don't deal with the issues and the sin in your life right now, they don't just go away magically. And so it's so important because it's not just affecting you, it's affecting the people around you, and it can affect the family and the direction that you lead them. And, and girls, finding the right husband is an important thing. A man that's going to follow God. Because if you, if, you, if you are the wife of a husband who's not following God and who's going to lead you into sin, you will face all the consequences for his sin as well. And so what, what you see happen, what you see happen a lot of times is like, well, he's close to like, He's kind of following God. I know I'm a little bit spiritually more mature than him, so I'm just going to kind of lead him to this spot where he is mature finally. You're asking for trouble. You're asking for a lot of pain. And so I know that's like fast-forwarding far in your life, but those things matter. If you want to bring it down to present day, the boyfriend that you choose right now, if he's following God or not, if he's not, he's going to lead you into sin. Amen? Uh, man, this is, yeah. I like it. Whoa. Hand, what church is this? We got hand claps. Okay. Let's get back on track. You guys are awesome. Um, so Elimelech leads his family away from God into this foreign land, leads them into sin, leads them out of Judah into Moab. Uh, so Ruth comes back with Naomi. Ruth comes back with Naomi. So we, we, go, to, we go to chapter 2. Uh, again, Naomi's really bitter from everything that happened. And then we go to chapter 2, and this is where Boaz comes in. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her, of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. Uh, and so what, 
what Ruth does is she goes, because again, these are two women living on their own. And so they're not having a lot of provision for them. Uh, so what they have to do and what, what was, I'll say, somewhat commonplace then, people could go to these fields, right, this field of grain, of wheat, whatever, and the leftovers, so after people are done harvesting that grain, there's like parts that they don't get, right, little parts that they miss, they could go and pick up the scraps, essentially. So what Ruth does every day, she goes and she picks up the scraps and picks up the scraps and, and gets that to provide for her and Naomi. So she does all the providing for Naomi. She does all the work. She works really hard uh, throughout the day. Um, and, and Boaz takes notice of this. Uh, and he is, if you go down to verse 5 in chapter 2, it says, Boaz said to his, young, to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather after, among the she's, uh, after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so then Boaz approaches Ruth. He takes notice of her. He hears about her. Um, and, he, and he tells her to, basically he says, you, you, just, you just stay in this field that I own, and just keep, you can keep doing this in, in my field. You don't have to go to any other fields. You just keep doing this in my field. And then she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? And in verse 11, he says, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, and then he, he offers her a meal. In verse 14, he like gives her a real meal. Um, and then, then, he, then he says to, uh, after she goes out, he says to his workers in verse 15, uh, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it, and leave it for her uh, and do not rebuke her. So he even said, Not only do you get to come to my field and, and you can keep gleaning the, the extras from my field, but then he told his workers, like, Just pull out a little bit of extra for her and just leave it for her. Um, and so he takes notice of her, and the reason he said he takes notice of her is because of Somebody was telling her how much she is taking care of her, her mother-in-law and all the things that she's doing for her mother-in-law. Um, and so her consistent character and her consistent work ethic get Boaz to take notice of her. Uh, you fast forward to the story. So Bo Boaz essentially, like it, like it said in that video, um, that Boaz uh, comes in and he decides... One, that he is going to, he's going to marry, he marries Ruth. Um, he buys the land that Elimelech had. Um, again, a big part of this that it says in here, and if you read on in this, we don't have time to go through it all. If you read, especially from like chapter 3 through 4, it uses this word redeemer a lot of time, and, and some versions say redeemer kinsman. Um, so the idea of that is that, again, in this culture, if you, uh, if a husband dies, then one of his relatives, a brother or a cousin or something like that, could, it was supposed to not just could, uh, marry that, that man's wife and so that she could have children and, she could, and, and, and their family line could be carried on. Um, and so because this is, Boaz is the right man for the job, I'll say. He is, the, he is one of their relatives, one of the, her husband's relatives. Um, 
he's able to do that, able to fully redeem her. He buys the land that was Elimelech's. He marries her. Uh, they have a baby. Um, and so I'll, I'll read the end of it, and we'll kind of summarize here. Um, in verse 9 of chapter 4, verse 9 of chapter 4, it says, Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand uh, of Naomi and all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and, and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Uh, and then you jump down to 13. And it says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. And I just got real, real quick. Uh, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has, left, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Uh, and if you follow that line of David, if you know some about Scripture, it goes all the way to Jesus. So this is uh, Jesus' family tree that Ruth is in now. Um, so here's what happens, right? So you take that. Boaz comes in says, I'm going to marry you, I'm going to buy those, this land, I'm going to take care of you and Naomi, uh, and now they're provided for. So what does this mean for them? What is, what is the, the, it's not just like a simple marriage. Again, in that, in that time frame, in that life, Boaz buying that land, Boaz marrying Ruth, what that means, and him being a redeemer for them, it brings them provision. So she doesn't have to go out in the fields and go work anymore. They have food and all the food that they need. So they're provided for in every way that they need. It brings them security. They're not just wandering around trying to find their own way and figure out their own stuff. It gives them rest. She doesn't have to do that work anymore. So she gets rest. Uh, she gets freedom. She gets a new life altogether. A new life altogether. And so does Naomi. And, and at the end of this, Naomi goes back to being referred as Naomi. She goes from being bitter and having people call her bitter to being Naomi, people calling her pleasant again. And so you see this beginning to end, this, this kind of circle of, and what this guy does, Boaz, he redeems them. And both, one of the things I love about this too is that both Naomi and Ruth needed the same redeemer. You have these two different women if you look at the stories, Naomi's pretty up and down all throughout the story. When things are good, she's good, and then when things get bad, she's bitter and frustrated. And so her faith is kind of up and down throughout. Um, you see this back and forth with her. Uh, Naomi is a Jewish woman, is a, one of the people of God. One of God's chosen people, but, but her faith is up and down. She's disobedient some of the time. She followed her husband into disobedience. Um, she whines a little bit, kind of complains and says, like, God brought this away on me, took all this from me. Uh, and then you have Ruth, who, who's this, this Gentile, this non-Jewish person who's not part of God's chosen people, who is extremely 
steady. Really strong character, really faithful, really obedient, really hardworking. But both of those women needed the same redeemer to get this new life that they needed. So why does all this matter, right? Why does all this matter for you? What is this pointing to? Uh, If you read Revelation, I'll just read it real quick for you. If you read Revelation 5, 9 through 10, it says... Nope, it doesn't say that. Uh, Revelation 5, verses 9 through 10 says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Uh, And this is talking about Jesus. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed or redeemed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Um, That's just one place where you see that in Scripture. But Jesus is the Redeemer, right? So Boaz is meant to point to Jesus. So in the same way that Boaz was this guy who redeemed these women and gave them a new life, a completely new life, Jesus is the ultimate one who redeems us and gives us new life by his work on the cross, by his blood on the cross. He paid that debt for us. He paid for our lives like Boaz paid for Ruth's life. He paid for us. He is our redeemer. He paid a price that was heavy so that we could have new life. So that just like Ruth and Naomi got to experience freedom and provision and rest, that's what Jesus does for us. When we trust in him and put our faith in him, he he has bought us with a price and and, and he has bought us so that we could have freedom and rest and provision, and all the things that we need. So Ruth, like every other part of Scripture, is pointing to, is screaming to, is Jesus. This is is the whole point of all of Scripture, is to point to Jesus, the one who has ransomed and redeemed us. He has bought us. Through his death and resurrection. And because of that, we can have this new life as much as these two women had brand new life because of Boaz. There's so much more in that book. So many more truths, so many more applications to pull out. That's, that's all we have time for tonight. But I want you to see that connection over any other one. That, that we, you've been bought. You have Jesus that that offers that to all of us, that offers new life with security and rest and freedom and provision. And our part is to trust in that, to have faith in that, and to have faith in that that to the point where we would trust that his plan is better than ours. Uh, That he knows what he's doing. Naomi, like one of the points that my wife made to me, because she studied this book a lot. So if you really want to know more about Ruth, talk to my wife. She knows a lot about it. Um, But one of the things she pointed out to me when we were talking about this last night, and she said, you know, the thing about Naomi that always gets me is that she was complaining in, in that part where she says, like, that God took everything from her. And she's like, man, why would, why would God do this? You know, like, God took all this from me. 
uh, when she says, you know, call me bitter, uh, it says, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And this is uh, chapter 1, verse 20. And then 21 says, I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So you see like how heartbroken she is and how much she feels like, man, God took all this from me. But sometimes, like, God takes things from us so that he can fill our hands with things that are better. And so what Naomi had was a, was a disobedient husband that had disobedient sons as far as following God. And yes, she felt comfortable with them and she felt safe with them, but they weren't the best thing for her. And so he was willing to strip her hands of those things so he could fill them with better things. Uh, so I don't know what it is that's going on in your life specifically, but uh, I don't know. I think that's one thing that, that speaks to me from this book, too, that there's so many things that I try to hold tightly to because I think my plan is so good. And sometimes I think God is like, you, you need to let go of that. If you don't let go of that, I might just have to take it from you so you can see that I want to fill your hands with things that are so much better. That I want to redeem you. I want to be the one that redeems you, that gives you everything that you need, that gives you rest, that gives you security, that gives you freedom, that gives you peace. Uh, so I encourage you, man, just read more of this story, study more of it, find out more of it. It's one of many that, that again, point to Jesus point to who he is, uh, what he came to do, uh, and how much he, he, he wants to just convince us that, of how much he loves us and what he's done for us so that we could live in those things and not trying to, to use the illustrations from this book, not just trying to get by in life by grabbing our own scraps but that we would just let him provide for us in, a, in the abundance that he has.